greetings, friends, and welcome to I Think Speech. Yep, we're on a roll. I am Hazel Archer Ginsberg, and this is part two of the Festival of Life tour. So after many hours of sharing stories with Nancy Poor under that spreading shelter of the live oaks near the ranch barn, Dr. Tobias Hunchen, a pediatrician, who runs that artist retreat center in, in Stockton, California, which again, we'll hear more about as time goes on. He had to set off for work. <clears throat> and he works these long, like overnight shifts. So he came up for the, for the afternoon and then um, made his way back. And uh, CG and Hermes, our young, Astrosophy friend who is currently studying with our dear Brian Gray. They went up to Nancy's house. Well, I stayed back. I wanted to get myself prepared for the next adventure for the, the BD conference that would start the next day. So that night, <laughs> I had this crazy dream that robots were working for the 1%, and they had enslaved all the biodynamic farmers, putting them to work to keep certain sections of the earth a paradise garden exclusively for them. And we were kept from directly interacting with each other, but I found a way to make up songs based on spiritual science that let us communicate as we worked on the land, right? That's kind of an old story of the slaves working in the fields, doing these, these gospel songs, et cetera, that, that held these clues to a way that they could keep their traditions going and communicate with each other. So this, in this dream, this, this sacred music, through it, we were able to really connect with the elementals who then were able to give us clues on what to do so that the cosmic forces that we were bringing in would eventually spread out like a ripple in a pond to spiritualize the whole earth, right? Not just those little patches, but, you know, you can't stop it. It, would just, it just spread out, redeeming it from the adversarial powers that, that seek to condense and, and, and deaden all life, you know, to enslave it. So, uh, yeah, I woke up, I had, I was, I had a shiver, I was hot, I was cold, and, and I, I could hear the sound of a hoot owl. So that was interesting. <laughs> interesting evening. But then at the break of day, CG and Hermes and I set out for the six-hour road trip northwest to Live Power Farm for the Biodynamic Association of Northern California's Michaelmas Fall Gathering. So it was this amazing twisty, turny climb up and down the mountain ranges through miles of, of orchards. And I was like, what are those trees? What are those trees? And then later somebody told me, mostly they're almond trees, right? Walnut and pistachio trees. We went past villages and with these vistas, like this beautiful clear lake. And it was filled with 
with majesty and, and wonder. And we, we couldn't stop explaining, you know, like, in, I mean, exclaiming. We're like, oh, wow, wow, oh, wow, look, look, you know. It's just really in awe of this wondrous topography. It is so different from the plains of our, our beloved Heartland region. So Covalo, California, it's in a, a volcanic valley which is surrounded by many mountain ranges. They call it Round Valley. And so, yeah, I mean, mountains are so foreign for me. And I, you know, I've just been really trying to live into what is, what is it all about? You know, that these mountains, they hold such a, a special place in the, in the soul of the human being. You know, is it their, their rugged vastness? Is it their, their vast grandeur, you know, their solitude, you know, so majestic. It, it, is it the challenge of climbing them, right? Because it was there. <laughs> you know, do mountains loom large in our minds because they're the closest point to heaven here on earth? Oh, yeah. I mean, the ancients believed that the, the gods ruled from the top of mountains which formed the foundation of the world, right? Providing this, this resting place for the firmament, right? This, this chalice. Yeah, that's what it felt like in that valley. But then I started thinking, wow, right? Like Moses, he received the Ten Commandments, you know, etched on stone tablets from Mount Sinai. Also called Horab, right? Which means thorny mountain. And Muhammad obtained his first revelation just outside Mecca in the Hira cave of Mount Jabal al-Nur, which means mountain of light. And why did the transfiguration of Christ Jesus happen on Mount Tabor, which means camp or navel? Fascinating, right? Mountains. <laughs> it's just There's this powerful force which sparks the creation of new worlds, in my imagination anyway, in an, in an attempt to describe them. But this particular mountain valley, and I'm sure many others in the region, have a dark history, which I learned from a, a conversation uh, that I had during one of the meals. So the Yuki tribe, one of many indigenous tribes of Round Valley, part of the Mendocino County uh, portion of California, they call themselves Ukamununu, meaning valley people. So that was their name before the arrival of the Europeans. But starting in 1848, due to the California gold rush, white immigrants flooded into the valley increasing the settler population from like a mere thousand people to well over 300,000 in a little more than a decade. So, you, you know, as you can imagine, this sudden influx of miners really strained the space and, and, and the natural resources of the over 400,000 Native Americans who had been peacefully living in the area for, for many generations. So I did a little research and, you know, it, it, apparently th long ago, thousands and tens of thousands of years, the glaciers swept down 
the eastern slope of the mountain ranges of Mendocino. And you know when that happens, it, it you know everything gets just pushed down, right? So it's carrying these glaciers, you know, and their slow-moving, unrelenting power, carrying with them trees which were four times the size of the great redwood trees now towering above the valleys. And actually, uh, Gloria was telling us that they, they're stumps with a vast acreage of roots that can still be found nowadays hidden in the in the forest steps indicating the mammoth growth of these primeval, you know, those primeval days. So we can picture these extraordinary landslides occurring, volcanic action, throwing up the ridges, right? And, and out of which came many coal seams, these coal, these seams of these veins of coals cropping up, especially along the Eel River, which, you know, the miners wanted. And so it was that from these, these splendid heights with its majestic vista of peace and beauty just spreading far to the horizon, Round Valley then became Stolen Valley. For I was told that those far-off purple hills are dotted with the unmarked graves of thousands of murdered Native peoples, killed not in the heat of mountain quarrels, but one by one, systematically murdered through years of greed and prejudiced malice with cold, slow, delicate purpose because the Native people born in Round Valley chose to maintain their right to live there and, and refused to allow the theft of their stock, the, the burning of their homes and the, the systematic persecution in the courts even to turn them from their birthright. And for that, they were murdered. The women raped, the children sold into slavery. Later, when the, the gold rush was raging, many other tribes were gathered up. They were dumped into this valley rounded up from the far corners of, of California, some of whom were traditional enemies of one another. So as you can imagine, that really added to the, the hostile social environment in the concentration camp conditions. So every mountain pass in this paradise holds this horrendous memory. But Gloria and Stephen Decatur took on this painful legacy, seeking to remediate the land through biodynamics, humbly acknowledging the indigenous people who lived there before them. And actually, before we left, Gloria took us to, to this, this, oh man, this magical place in the valley where the quote, future, future potential radiated out. So this was divined by Anna Bogachnik, the, the daughter of Marco, who uses these earth healing techniques similar to acupuncture by positioning these, these carved stone pillars on these um, points, you know, these... Uh, 
it has a name, uh, not acupuncture, but there's a, where these points in the landscape, which are like chakras, right? And so this particular spot that is actually owned, uh, part, part, partly owned by one of her sons, you could see when we drove up, it had this really interesting aura to it. You know, fox and bear and wild boar come to the spring there on a regular basis. And so Anna, you know, did some geomancy looking at the land there and, and, and named that as a place where the, quote, future potential is radiating out. So very interesting. But yeah, I learned that, that Steve came to Covalo in the early 1970s to work side by side with Alan Chadwick, the, you know, the famous horticulturists who was really instrumental in establishing the gardens at both the University of California in Santa Cruz and in Covalo. And so then after Chadwick's death in 1980, Steve was the one who carried the work forward training apprentices and maintaining the farm in Covalo, welcoming and inspiring countless classes of children, right? From the various schools, especially the Waldorf schools, you know, and their teachers would come onto the land and spend like uh, two or three days camping. And uh, he would show them these sacred places and the work that he did there, really just so inspiring. So that's a little background. And so here we are, we're making our way. And we, when we pulled up, dear Gloria welcomed us with a delicious lunch sourced from the farm and put uh, CG and I up in the, in the tiny house nestled in amongst the pear orchard. Her son built it. It was, it's just amazing. You, you know, you walk in, it's a little tiny little bathroom and a nice kitchen and sort of living area that has like a bookshelf. And then there's a loft with a, you know, a bed area and another room with another bed and another loft. So it's just, just amazing what these tiny houses can, you know, how they can really uh, be a wonderful place to live. So we, we got our all cozy there and, and Hermes, was the first of many to set up camp in the on the field across the way. And Charles, the the stalwart land manager, he, you know, the longtime apprentice at Life Power, he he actually stayed on the farm all through the COVID crisis and 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 especially through the harrowing fires uh, that blackened the sky for many weeks. When we were driving, we saw evidence of of these fires that, you know, there's still people watching for that, um, you know, up to this day. But uh, so when we were there, he, I mean, just such his attention to detail, he brought in a, a vase of flowers when we were eating and, and basically does pretty much everything on the farm and um, really made everything happen so that there was a beautiful flow during the weekend. What a wonderful person, young person. And uh, yeah, so folks start pouring in and cooking in the kitchen as well as outside. There's a, a brick oven that Gloria's son, Alexander, built. So they were 
cooking up some delicacies in there and some families showing up with their kids, setting up their camp and many farmers with their apprentices coming in from near and far. And so on the blog, I, I mention a bunch of these, these different um, farms, uh, Golden Rule Gardens and Frey Vineyards, famous biodynamic wine, um, Elster Ranch and um, Three Springs Farm. So uh, yeah, these amazing people doing this amazing work out there, as well as a bunch of you know, really powerful presence of these regional Waldorf school teachers. Um, so Betsy Ann from, you know, she's the gardening teacher at, at, at Marin Waldorf School and uh, Christy Barron, uh, Waldorf School of Mendocino County. Yeah, I, you know, really amazing how many children's lives have been touched by this farm. You know, and Gloria really feels very much called to, to continue to make Live Power a teaching center for children, young and old. You know, because Stephen, her husband, who was the main farmer, he did pass away last year in November. So it hasn't quite been a year yet. And so that's part of, you know, this was the first festival without him. And uh, we could really, we really honored his presence and his work. And um, we'll hear more about that in uh, part three. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was just just a pleasure to meet so many people. Um, uh, Julia, this woman, Julia, uh, working in this retreat center called Peaceful Valley Sanctuary. And, and uh, Jody, who runs the Four Barrel Coffee House in, in, in um, San Francisco. And Allie, who was a, a apprentice over the over the time over the years, actually she she started coming when she was a Waldorf school kid to the land, and she ended up becoming an apprentice. So it was great to to meet her. She was helping Jody in the kitchen quite a bit. So yeah, I mean, I could just tell you so many stories about all these people and the work that they're doing, you know. But if you go on the blog, you can. You can click the links for their farms and, and see that work. So all these folks are arriving and, you know, I, I had to set up for a presentation that I was offering that evening for the Front Rage Anthroposophical Cafe, right there, they're out of Boulder, Colorado. So I'm trying to find a place in the house and, you know, they don't have Wi-Fi. And so we, she had this sort of broken down cable from uh, like an ethernet cable and so we dragged it into the Gloria's living room and I set up right next to the memorial shrine for her beloved husband, Stephen. So he was, yeah, so many stories about him that he very much the quiet power behind the horses for the farm. Yeah, and he, he did, he crossed the threshold on the 4th of November in 2021. So that really prompted me to bring the theme of bridging heaven and earth for the festival weekend. But uh, the topic for Friday evening, you know, kind of went along with that in a way, you know, for the front rage, because it was called the cognitive ritual of anthroposophia, living into the new mysteries. And it brought in an interesting dimension to the, the biodynamic component that we were living into, because I was asking, you know, what is the difference between the sacramental communion, right? This is, this is a gesture 
of bringing heaven to earth, right? That's part of the first Michael revelation, this idea of spirit becoming matter, right? And this is something that we, we do when we're, we're doing the stir, the prep stirs for biodynamics, spirit into matter. And then the cognitive ritual, this idea of rising in our thinking to meet the spiritual world. So this is the opposite gesture, which encompasses the second Michael revelation of matter becoming spirit. So spirit to matter, matter to spirit, spirit to matter, matter to spirit. It's sort of a lemniscate, right? So we have these two different vortexes, these two different paths that really meet in the middle right, the middle, in, the, in the, the Christ space that where our hearts dwell. And so why are they both important for us today? Because they really are. And, and, you know, so anyway, that's, that's a, you can listen to the recording of that. That's up on the Front Range website. But it was, it was bizarre being online with people from all over the world while folks were, you know, gathered a few feet away in the kitchen. But I was able to join them after our amazing community conversation, redeeming cyberspace, right? Which ended up turning toward the spiritual scientific research around the Corona crisis. So very, very enlightening. You know, what is it that the community needs to talk about, right? So that was that was interesting to see how that how that unfolded. And so then to end the evening. Charles took me out into the field amongst the campers where we had this magnificent view of the starry night sky. I, oh my goodness, I have really only experienced this kind of piercing clarity with the Milky Way popping a few times in my urban life. <laughs> I was truly, truly speechless and, and, and so filled with awe and reverence. I mean, I could close my eyes to this day and it's still just see it, you know, uh, Jupiter, the first thing coming up and then, oh, wow, just absolutely amazing. So, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm going to stop here for this Festival of Life Tour Part 2 and we'll hear more in the next episode. So stay tuned. Thank you, friends. Blessings. Thank you.